I've been dealing with this my entire life. And I thought, I knew that we had these problems. I, I think I was like a lot of people thinking it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Come a long way. And that was my wake up and my realization that we have so much work to do. So wow. much work to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Wake Up Stories. My name is Laura. Hey, y'all. I'm Andrea. We are so excited to have with us today Stacey Bernal. She is the ambassador of Badassery. She's a speaker, coach, author, all things amazing, marathon runner, mom, and my friend. She also sits on the commission. She's a, she's a commissioner for the Ogden City and with diversity and inclusion, heavily involved in the community with volunteering, fundraisers, teaching, education. I could go on and on. And rather than do that, I'm just going to welcome Stacy. Hey, girl. Hey. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, it's our pleasure. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. You gave me such a great introduction. Whenever people introduce me, I'm like, wait, that's me. That's- <laughs> yeah, I have, I have done some things. So yeah, I'm uh, Stacy Burnell. I'm like you said, I'm a speaker. I was so excited this year to give a TEDx Ogden, which yes. um, that man that's been on my vision board for four years. And I almost didn't think it was going to happen with the pandemic this year, but we pulled it off. We pulled it off and I officially became a TEDx speaker for anyone listening who wants to go check it out. It's called Confessions of Recovering Nobody. And uh, I share a lot of my journey into I guess getting to where I am today and how I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. And I am very involved in the community. Like you said, I'm a commissioner for the Ogden City Diversity Commission. I am a Weber State grad and now currently serve on the board of directors for the Alumni Association for them. I was invited to actually starting in January, I will be on the board of trustees for the Ogden Weber Technical College Foundation. So that will be a new exciting role, but yeah, just doing my part to oh snap. Great change. I think, I think this year for Christmas, you should have your husband roll the carpet out. Like um, literally walk the carpet out to the tree because you slay 2020. Oh, <laughs> you are sweet. You are sweet. Man, it's been a roller coaster. It's yeah. Been- yeah. And you overcame it all, which is a huge reason why Laura and I wanted to have you on today. As y'all know, we we love to explore other people's stories and their backgrounds because there's power in storytelling. And when you can hear where someone's come from, what they've been through, where they're going, it really, it helps us to wake up, especially in terms of unconscious bias. It helps us to wake up and realize things that are in our blind spot sometimes so that we can in turn start to make a difference. And the first step to planting new seeds into our subconscious mind and making a difference within ourselves and within our community is hearing other people's stories. If if you're not aware of what's happening, we tend to just, as I call, go on autopilot, drive blissfully through life, unaware of what other people are going through. But it's time to change that. It's time to come together and really see people for who they truly are, despite their ethnicity, their gender, their background, their race, their culture. So with that, Stacy, tell us your story. Yeah, you hit so many nails on the head with that. So that is exactly how my journey and story has played out is until you have to look at the world from a different perspective, why would that matter to you until you have that particular lens? 
So for me, I'm half Filipino, I'm half white. I've obviously grown up seeing the world from my lens of being other, of being a half breed. I address all these things in my TED talk, but I didn't really realize how much that was shaping my world and my reality and, and my own perspective. I have that as my background. And then really how I moved into this space of really becoming passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion is that I have an autistic son and he is, he's now 15. He got diagnosed when he was he got unofficially diagnosed when he was three. And then we had a really deep diagnosis done when he was nine. So we've had years of really navigating the world from this different perspective. And so it's people as parents, we're going to have a lot of struggles with kids anyway, just in general. Right. But when you throw in that element of a diagnosis and a disability, it changes a lot. And so I just, I see the world from our perspective and I would hear people say things and I would think, man, if only people knew or could understand mm -hmm. how we see it and how my son sees it. And I wanted to be that difference. I wanted to create that, that space where other people who deal with the same thing, they can come together and kind of commiserate with, with people who understand what it's like. And I also want to teach people who really don't have any clue. So just as an example, I read someone's Facebook post a couple of years ago and they were complaining about participation awards and why there shouldn't be participation awards. And my perspective is if we don't have participation awards, my kid will never win anything. Oh yeah. So just little things like that. Like sometimes we need to think about perspectives other than our own. And this is why we need diversity at the tables because people who are making decisions they're making decisions that aren't for necessarily for everyone and this idea of inclusivity. So a, a couple years ago in 2018, I was scrolling through Facebook. I'm going to reference this a lot and y'all are going to be like, Stacy's always on Facebook. <laughs> Seriously. Hey, at least y'all know where to find her. <laughs> no, I'm like, you always find me on Facebook. So, so I'm scrolling on Facebook and April is Autism Awareness Month. So this was like the end of March and I'm, and I'm seeing that there's autism walks being planned for Salt Lake City, for Provo, for uh, Logan, but there was nothing in Ogden. There was nothing mm -hmm. local to where I am. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to go do an autism walk. And why don't we have one here? And someone said, why don't you do one? Like, why don't you? And I thought, can I do that? Am I allowed to do that? No one's going to tell me no. So very uh, last minute, I just threw this out on Facebook and said, hey, if anyone wants to come do this little autism awareness walk on April 2nd, let's meet downtown and let's do this. So I had 20 people that showed up. Just, it was this very small thing and we, it was freezing that night. And we just walked around the block with some signs and we were all like, honk if you love someone with autism. But what happened from that is that the local newspaper heard about it. And so they did an article on my son and actually our friend, Sarah, her mm -hmm. daughter, they did this really cute article about them, about living with autism and what our lives are like. And then they created these really cute videos for YouTube. So it, while it was a small event, I felt like now we have some community engagement. People wanted to hear about it. People were interested. So then coming into 2019, I thought, wow, what if I actually put some effort into an event and some time and spent it and could I make something bigger and better? And we ended up, so last April, we had this event up at Weber State and we had about 300 people come through. And we, wow, had, wow, that's so amazing. we had 14 vendors. We, we played a short documentary about autism. We had a ton of community support, which was really what made it so successful because 
organizations were interested in being a part of it, but then families, families that were showing up and there was this, people kept saying, who did this? Why are you doing this? Because no one else is doing it. And because we know that we have a need in the community. And anyway, so now it's this thing. Now it's okay. This awesome autistic Ogden is the thing. And then this year we had a really great event planned. We had a 5k, we had sponsors. We went from having 14 vendors to we had 30 vendors scheduled this year. And then COVID happened. The world shut down. (laughs) Yeah. And the world shut down. And I was so sad because people were reaching out and I said, we can, we still have all of our information and resources on our Facebook page, but everything's on pause right now as far as doing the event. But it, that was hard. That was like a serious heartbreak for me because I know that other community members needed this. I know that other families are really hungry for this um, space. So I've got that going on. And then at the same time in my journey as this brown woman in Utah, I show up to places often where I'm either, I get invited to serve on on committees and boards and I'd show up in spaces where I was often the only woman and I was usually the only person who wasn't white in the room. And my husband would make fun of me because I would text him from like a lunch. I'd, you know, be in Logan and I'd be like, oh, I guess who's the only brown person here? And he's like, why do you even notice that? Like how, because you start noticing and you, when you are the different, the other, you start noticing it. So I just thought, why is that? Why aren't more people of color? And granted, I know that we don't have a huge uh, diverse population in Utah as far as that goes. In Ogden specifically, our Hispanic population is about 35%, but you don't see it reflected in leadership and city leadership in businesses and organizations. You don't see it represented. And I just started thinking, how do you go about changing that? And I, I started speaking about it. I started speaking about what it's like to be in spaces where you feel different because I know especially from feedback when I've, I've spoken to like high school kids, I know that they feel it too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, unless you start speaking about it, start actively engaging and creating change, it's not going to happen. And that's what led me into this year, um, applying to be on the diversity commission. So I applied in February. I had these, this was my thoughts were, I want to be in a space where I can help empower other minorities to feel like they have a voice, to feel like they can, you know, step into their story and step out of the shadows, whatever's holding them back. I want them to feel empowered to get involved. So I applied to serve on the commission in March. I interviewed and they're like, okay, we just need to um, get this approved through city council and mayor Mike. And I'm like, cool. In the meantime, COVID happens. And uh, so they canceled their April meeting. So it was delaying me becoming an official commissioner. Mm-hmm. So in May, I still wasn't official. They still had to get it through Mayor Mike, but they were like, why don't you hop on um, our Zoom call? And that way you can at least meet the rest of the commissioners and see how our meetings are run. I'm like, cool. Again, I come into this thinking, this is going to be rainbows and butterflies, and I'm going to help empower young Hispanic, Latinx, Black women and boys. And this was my thought process. So our first meeting it's a two hour long meeting. And these meetings, especially when they're being held in, in, in person, they are open to the public. Anyone mm-hmm. is welcome to attend. They are. So we're holding our first virtual meeting and the link was available to the public. An hour into the meeting, it had just been the commissioners. And then all of a sudden these 
blank square rectangles, our Brady rectangles, start showing up on the Zoom call. And I remember thinking like, that's weird. Did like a group of community members just decide to all come on right now? And then next thing we know, we are being Zoom bombed. We are, people are screaming the N word. The pictures that popped up were, there was, there were lynchings. There were, there was pornography. It, it was horrible. It was horrible. So we had to shut down our call. So that was my first experience with the diversity commission. Oh I, my yeah. word. I, I got off, I got off the call and I was shaking. And we had, at that time, we had three black commissioners and one of them said, this is nothing new. I've been dealing with this my entire life. And I thought, I knew that we had these problems. I, I think I was like a lot of people thinking it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. come a long way. And that was my wake up and my realization that we have so much work to do. So much work to do. Yeah. That's how I got initiated to (laughs) the diversity commission. And it's been so interesting because I think I was naive about thinking people should want diversity. Like research shows that businesses are more profitable when they have a more diverse pool of employees and and people should care about these things and it should matter. We should have representation. We should want to hear more perspectives. And then having that just was like a slap in the face and realizing, okay, like some people get squeamish around this topic. And I didn't realize I was coming into a place where it would be very uncomfortable. I, I am uncomfortable all the time but I'm also very passionate about it. And I will continue to, I guess this year, what I realized about myself is that I'm a little more vocal than I thought I was. And really it's been part of my story and my journey. And I've had to be vocal, especially like with my son and getting his, the resources that he needs and help that he's needed over there. So you have to get vocal sometime. I've had, we've had problems with teachers and, and, and principals and I, I fight for my kid. And so I'm going to fight for really anyone that I feel these marginalized groups that they need the loudmouths to, to be the ones to help create the change. So it's been interesting. I recently had a guy who he told me that I was aggressive and it was very sexist of him to say that, but it also made me laugh and it made me proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be honest. I've never been, I've never had a man call me aggressive about me being vocal about these kinds of topics. And so I thought, I think I'm rattling him. I think I'm ruffling some feathers. And if I'm ruffling some feathers, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> My mom always says, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. It's so true. I, I want to go back to a couple of points throughout this journey. And one being, I'm so glad that you shared that story about participation awards. I am hands down guilty of that. Like I, I was a collegiate athlete and I've gone to the world, like I've played in two NCAA World Series for, in softball and sports has always been a huge part of my life. It's a huge part of my kid's life. And I'm so that athlete, that mom, that parent, the spectator who's like, you lost. Not all losers get an award, okay? That's a part of the game. <laughs> I, I am so guilty of that. And for you to say, if we don't have participation, my kid would never get anything. I'm like, oh. You're right. And do I want like your kids to go their entire life and never get anything, never have that sense of achievement, that feeling, because it goes back to the feelings. Do I really want people to go through their entire lives and not have that feeling, that pride that, no, I'm so glad you brought that up because today I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I just had an epiphany. She just woke me up. That's 
I've totally been that. And then I wanted to revisit what you're saying about the tough conversations. And I really want, Laura, I want you to weigh in because this is a big reason why we started this podcast show was those tough conversations. What were your thoughts? Because I saw you like shaking your head yeah. and she got well, into I was, that, right? I think every time we talk about this is something that we, we hit on a little bit. And I just, I almost feel like it can't be stated enough because I think exactly what Stacy said is I think there is a part of us that sometimes it does it's not fun to be labeled as aggressive and I don't right. think I don't think you're being aggressive and I think what it is that there's this part of us that has something to say and it doesn't resonate with other people very easily but it is just that willingness to have that conversation and to say what you feel and even just yesterday I had a moment where that was the case. My heart was beating and I was in a situation where I was like, man, I just don't, I don't want to be the one to speak up. But when you don't speak up and nobody else does either, then it just, things get brushed over. And it's just that willingness to have that conversation and to say something and to have that feeling be more than your desire to be comfortable. Absolutely. And to, be, and to it's just, it, eventually it just bubbles out of you and you're like, I don't care how this makes me feel. It's worth saying, and it needs to be said. And if I'm the one that has to say it, then that's who it's going to be. Yeah. And I think that's how leaders, I think that's how leaders are made is that you see that there's a need and nobody's filling it. And I feel like that a lot with this podcast, I'm like, who am I to want to do this? What qualifications do I have? I I don't even have a college degree. I'm not a public speaker. I'm not an author. I'm in the list of qualifications. I don't check any of those boxes, but do I feel qualified? I do. I feel qualified in the fact that I care and I'm willing to have these conversations and I love to hear people's stories and learn from them. I'm not here saying that I understand everybody and that's why I I started this podcast. It's the opposite. I realize the more I listen to people, the more understanding I still have to gain. And so I'm just so grateful that we can come together and have these conversations and I can learn from people like you. And I just think it's so interesting to me. I think it was very interesting to have your story told where you have brand, you've, you've learned so much with your child with autism and how that has opened your eyes to so many other scenarios mm-hmm. and experiences for other people. And I just love how you talk about considering other people's perspectives in your own. And I just think that's just a gem that, or a huge takeaway for me. I think that's amazing. Anyways, I didn't mean to talk a whole lot, but yeah, no, absolutely right. what you're saying. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing though, Laura, because I'm like, wow, this journey that you've gone through with your son and autism and to be the one who says, why isn't this happening? All right, I'm going to do it. Like that takes such courage. And why aren't these conversations happening? Okay, I'm going to do it. Oh, wait, no one's talking about representation. All right, I'm going to do it. Like no one's talking about sitting in these uncomfortable spaces. I'm going to do it. That is so, (laughs) that is so, uh, that should be a new TikTok for you. Just saying, I'm going to, you should have a, (laughs) Stacey, you should have like several different clips with you in these outfits and be like, I'm going to do it (laughs) and make it a TikTok video. (laughs) But Um, seriously, it's amazing and it's empowering and it's, 
like your first meeting with the diversity commission for that to happen one is just disgusting and vile which all too goes to the point of why we need to continue to have these conversations because mm -hmm. it's not a thing of the past and it does still happen and as as a black woman in america raising little brown boys i am a maker of men with five boys in this house it is very real it is very real to have these conversations all the time and I wasn't born in the 60s and I've been called the N-word. Like I've been referred to as colored. I, it just, all these things very much still happen. Is it every single day for me out here? No, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And it could be every day still for someone else because I'm from the deep South and those fruits run deep. <laughs> but I just thought it was so amazing. Like for you to take charge and literally be the change, like the epitome of, change and inclusion and overcoming your fears, like overcoming that feeling. When both of you guys were speaking about those hard conversations, I got chills like up and down my spine. And we all know that feeling when you have that, that, that pit in your stomach and it's like, I should say something. Is anybody going to say something? Nobody's saying anything. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. To push past that. And that's really how we begin to start to reprogram our subconscious mind is by being willing to change our behavior change those feelings because our feelings drive everything. They drive how we respond to people, how we react. It's everything. But yeah, I don't know. So Stacey, with everything that you've done with starting the Autistic Ogden Movement, now you're on the commission. Now you have a couple of different platforms that you're speaking about. She also has a nonprofit, y'all, the Stacey Bernal Badassery Foundation. She forgot to mention that. <laughs> like, so involved. Like, How many of y'all can say you have a nonprofit? With everything that you've done and really what we've bounced back and forth, what's the big thing that you want our audience to gain from hearing this story of you and your autistic son and your family, the challenges that you've overcome, the movement you've made, and now with this diversity and inclusion platform, I shouldn't say now, but in addition to the autistic platform that you were standing on and the empowerments platform you stand on, now there's a diversity and inclusion platform that you are also standing on. What is, what's like the one thing that you want to resonate with our audience? If there's one thing that's going to change their life forever, based on what you've told us today, what is that? That anyone and absolutely anyone can be a part of change. Whatever it is that, back to what Laura said, she, you said, I'm not, I don't have a college education. I'm not this, I'm not that. I did, was not college educated until I was 36. That was, I finally graduated college, but it didn't matter. Yes, that was part of my journey and a part of, I did feel more empowered after I graduated, but even had I never done that, I still think these things are important. And I still want people to know, no matter your place in life, if, if you have an opinion on a matter, like your voice matters and bring that to the table. And if you see injustices, if you see things that need to be improved and, and you want to, your voice is powerful, your stories are powerful. So I, I want anyone to know that you're capable and it doesn't have to be these huge I'm going to change the world in one day because we know that's not going to happen. But can I do something small today and something small tomorrow that's going to grow into these, you know, massive positive ripple effects? Absolutely. Anyone can do that. And I, I can, there is nothing special about me. There's nothing. <laughs> I came from a trailer park and kind of, I think I had the odds stacked against me and I just 
I got really passionate. I got lit up about starting with my son and then moving into these other spaces and anyone can do it. Any, if you say, do you have a nonprofit? My nonprofit is very small, but it's just that I know what it's like to be a single mom and on government assistance. I know, I know that I had hands that helped pull me up. So now I'm in a place where I can help others in their journey. So I just want to help make the world a better place. And then one last little takeaway, just to tie in with this is always be open to learning and listening. And it, it, that's what helps grow your perspective. That's what helps to increase your worldview. So part of the reason in my journey, I got so passionate is I learned the history of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And I realized, cause I didn't know how much that tied into women's rights, civil rights, the Voting Rights Act, it all was happening together. There's a documentary on, on Netflix called Crip Camp, and it talks about the people who initiated the ADA. And there was a point where the Black Panthers came in and partnered with them to help. It's just this amazing, like people working together to collectively create change. And that's how it happens. And we think that because we had these civil rights things happen in the late 60s, that everything's been resolved. And we know it hasn't. So here we are in 2020, we have lots of changes to make and just don't be afraid to, to learn, to listen, and, and to know that you have the, the power to impact change. Yeah. I, I, and I just had a conversation just recently where I was talking about this podcast and my friend was resistant just to the idea of what we talk about on this podcast. And I was like, this is a good person. This is a good friend. And so it's just interesting. It, and it's a good reminder for me to see how much like these types of conversations help everybody. And I wanted to ask you really quick in your story, was your, when you did the autism walk, was that your first time that you feel like you really decided to stand up and make a difference? Was there another experience before that? Or was that your very first experience with doing anything like that and deciding I'm going to be that voice? And with that, I feel like once we have those experiences is, and we have success with them and that your voice has power, is that what led you to say, oh, I can do this in more situations? Because I want people to possibly realize that. Yeah. And thank you for asking that. So really it started incrementally because I was back to Facebook. I would post little stories about my son and I would just, I, it's so interesting. My husband and I were talking about this we have some friends who have autistic kids and they don't talk about it. And he said, it's almost like they're ashamed or embarrassed. And I said, I like, I've noticed that. And and it's where we all deal with our things differently. And I just, I guess I'm more public with things, but I would just share these stories about my son. Would if he had a hard day at school or just whatever, because we do that. We're parents. We talk about our kids. Mine just happens to be that my son is autistic and people would start asking me questions. They would, then they would see an article about autism and they'd send it to me and people like, they would say things like, I've never thought of that, or I didn't realize that, or thank you for sharing. And so I thought this is cool because now people are applying it to their own lives and feeling like they want to be a part of that change too, and helping make the world a better place for autistic people. So yeah, I just accidentally became an advocate and then definitely with the event and doing the walk, because I think I had it in my head that that's someone else's deal. That's someone, but it, no one else was doing it. So why not me? Mm-hmm. This is important to me. I want to, ha- I want 
my son to feel like the world is a safe place for him. I want other people with disabled and, and autistic kids to feel the same way. So right. yeah, if you build it, they will come. And <laughs> so that's, that's really definitely has empowered me. And it's been fun to see it ripple out into the right. community and help other people. And, yeah. <clears throat> oh, sorry, Andrea. No, I was yes. just saying, yeah. I think I've said, yeah, I'm probably too many times. <laughs> and I just, because we're talking about disability and I don't know the next time we're going to have this opportunity, what is, when you are an advocate for autism, what do you feel like is a good takeaway for other people that you've shared with them? Because I don't necessarily have a lot of exposure to other parents with autistic right. children. And when I'm in that situation, what is some understanding that you could possibly give to me on how I could yeah. be more compassionate in those situations? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is recognizing because now that I have this autistic person in my life and I can tell a lot of his quirks, like I can see it in other kids. I, I kind of, I told my husband, I feel like I'm an autism whisperer because <laughs> the, there are certain traits and quirks that are pretty common among autistic people. I think even if we, so if we see someone walking down the street and maybe they look odd or they're wearing um, headphones and they're in their own world often, like that could be someone on the spectrum. And, and I think if we shift our perspective and rather than seeing someone and being like, oh, they look weird or they're doing something right. weird that maybe we think maybe they're having some sort of sensory overload. And they, I, I think that's a huge thing because for a long time, I would be out with my son and if he was having a meltdown, it looked like there was just this out of control kid. And, and I think it's so easy as parents for us to be like, Ugh, oh, they just, mm -hmm. why aren't they controlling their kid and that what's wrong with them? And I think if we can just take one second and think maybe there's some sensory issues, maybe there, maybe there's something happening, but I had a woman one time, she saw that there was, we were having an issue and he was having a meltdown and he actually, we were at a restaurant and he got up and he walked out of the restaurant and I was sitting there with our younger son and I'm like, okay, I got a Hayden's walking out the door, but I got my kid here and I don't want to dine and dash. Like the server's going to, you know, run after <laughs> right. us and we're walking. And right. this woman at this other table saw what was happening and she came over and she, she sat down with Eli and she said, go get your son and stayed. And anyway, just things like that. If, if you're a parent and you see another parent struggling, that like, maybe it's that, that they're dealing with a special needs disabled child and offering. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. That's because I go ahead. <laughs> oh no. I was just saying, I just love that story. And I just love yeah. that, that parent led with compassion before yes. she was judging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I have a cousin who um, has autism. And what's funny is I, I don't see him often because I left and went off to college and he, when he was very little. And so it's only like reunions and stuff. But I just got triggered when you gave me that example, because he does wear headphones all the time when we are at these gatherings for the sensory overload. And I never put the two and two together. Like I knew in the moment, like, oh, he's autistic and it like, that's what he needs to be at this family function. But in terms of a bigger perspective, I never really put the two and two together till you just said that. Till you said, if you see a kid or an adult who's walking a little funny and they have the headphones on, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my cousin every day. And now he's grown into a young man and, and it's so him. And I'm like, oh, you're so right. Like you just totally activated my reticular activating system and my wheels are spinning. And when you were talking about that story of the mom coming to lead with you or leading with compassion, we were at the Grand Canyon 
and I was with my parents, but they were, I have a lot of little babies. So I had like literally one in the front and one in the back and, and, and we double dug jogging stroller and highly outnumbered. And we can't bring food in. Like when you go down into the, what you, the hoop, the dam, the, isn't it the Hoover Dam? That's the at the Hoover Grand dam? Canyon. Yeah. It's like close to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. Within an hour. Yeah. So. so we're at the Hoover Dam and you can't bring food at all in there. And the kids were starving and we get in the elevator and I bumped the baby's head accidentally. Cause he's in the front again, one in the front, one in the back, two in the jogging stroller. And then the toddlers are having a meltdown and I am on the verge, like I'm on the verge of having a meltdown and every parent in that mother effing elevator was staring at me, get your kids under control. And they're screaming through the whole tour. And I'm so embarrassed. Like I'm going to cry about it. Thinking about it. I was so embarrassed that my heart just sank. And then this one mom came up to me and she just put her hand on me and she said, you're doing a really good job. And that's just, and then I lost it. <laughs> I lost it even more. I was like, thanks. And now we're all crying. <laughs> so like when you told that story, Stacy, I could feel your pain. Like as a mother, when you're outnumbered and you're struggling with your kids and they're having a moment, whether they have disabilities or not, that feeling is awful. Mm -hmm. And the stares that other people give you, like it cuts deep, right? And you can feel their, their judgmental energy <laughs> and, or at least that's how we're interpreting it. Like some, it, it hurts. And so just to step outside of ourselves for a moment and show another parent compassion because they may, that kid may have autism, that kid may have another disability, or that kid may just be having a bad day. Yeah. At the end of the day, be a good person mm -hmm. and just show compassion and help where you can. Like, I love that. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> with all of this wealth of knowledge, I know our listeners are going to want to reach out. I know you're going to want to hire Stacy to speak. Y'all need to buy your book. Stacy, tell us where can they find you? Where can they hire you to speak? Whether it's on diversity, on empowerment, or with disabilities, where can they find you to to come and connect? Yeah, like I already said, I'm on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much on every social media platform. My handle is at cstacyspeak and my website is also cstacyspeak.com. So if you want to find me, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me just under Stacy Burnell on LinkedIn. My uh, TEDx is on the TEDx website and on YouTube. Again, it's called the Confession Confessions of a Recovering Nobody. And my book is available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. And it is The Things We Don't Talk About, which just a lot of my story, which I think resonates with so many other people's stories is how we deal with shame and carry it, but how we can use, use it for good. So yeah, all over. And I do, I love speaking is my jam. Coaching is my jam. I have, I actually do have an online speaker coaching course for anyone who is interested in starting a speaking career. So I've got that available and uh, man, I just love talking. I love, and I will talk about, I'll talk about autism. I'll talk about diversity. I'll talk about implicit bias. I'll just talk about being your best <laughs> badass self, whatever, but, but yeah. Awesome. Laura, is there and anything I would else encourage, you want to add? Well, I was just saying, I, I stay, Andrea knows Stacy personally and I do not, mm -hmm. but I went and listened to your Ted talk and I would encourage anybody. It is, what is it? 10 minutes or something like that. It's, 15 and okay, I was pushing it like they were about to, they were about to like kick me off the stage and I was like nope I am taking my 15 minutes. it is 15 minutes spent 
And there's so much on that TED talk that we didn't even touch on today. Absolutely. So I imagine that if you hire Stacy, there's even a wealth more that you don't get yeah. from the podcast that you don't get from that TED talk that all of it has been amazing. And I've been so honored to be able to listen to you and hear your story. And thank you so much for coming on here and sharing everything that you shared today. It was fantastic. Yeah. I almost feel like maybe we should have Stacy back again and really dive into that TED talk. There's so many things in there, like so many stories that will help others wake up on different levels, right? Like just the TED talk alone is like, a lot of meat and potatoes. Just the and, graphic, the image, there's some imagery yeah. on that TED talk yeah. that's very impactful. As, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very profound. Yeah, we are so honored that you guys were able to join us here today. Keep in mind that Wake Up Stories is all, always available to come to your office, your event, and speak on the diversity and inclusion. We use the power of storytelling to help others wake up to what's going around in the world with other people so that we can all plant new seeds into our subconscious mind, really lean into those uncomfortable conversations, and start to see people for who they truly are. If you're interested in connecting with Wake Up Stories, you can find us at thewakeupstories.com. We are on all social media platforms as well, Twitter, not yet TikTok. I should get there. <laughs> Speaking, coaching, web workshops, all of the above. We're more than more than happy to come in. Right now, we're so excited. We're doing some big things with the state of Utah, actually helping to write policies for diversity and inclusion with the governor and lieutenant governor of the state of Utah. So we're doing big things and we're excited to maybe come and help you with your creating a more inclusive environment as well. So as always, thank you guys for joining us. We're thank grateful you. that you were here. Thank you, Stacy, again so much for joining us. This was fantastic. We're definitely going to have Stacy back again to dive into that amazing TED Talk. She is a wealth of knowledge. And we'll see you next time. See you guys. <laughs>